Welcome to Insight, Health Optimization with Rudy and Sean. Hello, Sean. Yeah, here we are for our fifth podcast. It's, uh, it's good times, good times. Yeah, it's nice, nice sunny day in Cape Town, 31 degrees. Beautiful summer's Beautiful. day. Okay, we are, we are here for the fifth podcast. So um, we, we've had the first four to, to and uh, in, our, in our first four on the journey, maybe you can just, just recap where we are and then uh, we'll, take, we'll take the fifth one further today. Yeah, so we're still talking about the first part of our inner side program, the part of how to get to 80. So we've talked about cardiovascular disease. Last time we talked about metabolic disease. And today we're going to tackle the big cancer subject. Um, I think the word cancer elicits quite an emotional response on many people, partly because the unknown, you don't know if you're going to get cancer, and because we all know of someone someone that had cancer and especially someone that has died from cancer um, because unfortunately it's not a quick death and 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 that makes that mental picture just so so much like burnt into your memory bank so the word cancer certainly makes us all wide-eyed yeah it's a it's one of those the diseases that um because it's so wide and uh, and it's almost all encompassing and it um we've all been personally touched um i think f- i definitely am sitting here because i've been touched uh quite quite a few ways um my dad had cancer very early had a lucky escape got his cancer on a screen was uh, his colon cancer was resected and uh, he's been he's had a happy and and fruitful life since then so he's had uh, a good 25 years after that uh, without any problems um, then i had a friend diagnosed at 40 years old um, with renal ca should have been picked up somewhere on a screen test and it wasn't and um, yeah he died 10 months later and in the last 18 months, both me and my wife has been diagnosed with skin cancer, um, which, I mean, if we didn't screen, that could have been that could have ended very, very nastily. And I think if we, if we go through this, um, uh, we'll see that the reason why we're screening is there's a risk. And you know. yes, absolutely. And I think um, skin cancer, in your case with sunny South Africa, it's one of the top four in both boys and girls. So. We'll definitely speak about that as well. Um, yes, the relevance of cancer. So men, one one in two chance of developing cancer in their lifetime. Um, women, one in three chance. Um, in South Africa, you know, we will probably, when we refer to statistics, it will be from the 2008 to 2018 statistics, which was published in 2019, the National Cancer Register. So pretty much equal in the diagnosis for boys and girls in South Africa, the girls slightly above 51% towards them and 49 for the males. Um, men tend to be diagnosed a little bit later in life. And that's, I don't know, it's probably because men seek um, help maybe a little bit later than the girls. Um, and the top four for, for men, still prostate cancer, lung cancer, colorectal cancer, um, and then the non-melanoma skin cancers. And for the girls, it will be breast cancer, cervical cancer, 
also colorectal cancer and also non-melanoma skin cancer. So that's more or less the situation in South Africa and our statistics. Yeah, so, I mean, just to bring the numbers back, between me and you, like one of us will get cancer. I mean, that that's what, what the numbers say. One in two for men and one in three for women. So it's like, it, it, it's big. So our problem is there's no one cancer and there's no one screen. So we'll have to go through today and try and, and put together a picture for someone out there what to do. Because, I mean, uh, it, just to go back, if you, if you want to get to 80, you mustn't die young. And not to die young, you've got to know the big things that will kill you. And we, we've talked about the four horsemen. So we've done the cardiovascular disease. We put put there the strokes we've we, we talked about. So if you haven't listened to that, go to listen to num podcast number three. Then the metabolic disease, the diabetes and stuff. So now we're going to work through these cancers and get the risk what the guys need and girls need to do to uh, to not get cancer. And if you get cancer and it's early, how to sort it out? Yeah, I think that's the important point is if you can catch cancer early, then then you've got a chance. I mean, the last 50 years, if you looked at the statistics, it's around about 30 to 40% increase in five-year survival over the last 40, 50 years. And that's mainly due to better detection. Um, the metastatic disease is still, the, the prognosis is still not good for metastatic disease. The, the last 70 odd medicines for or cancer treatments that came to market, um, with the exception of the immune um, and drugs that, that you've got a very specific subset of patients that it works very well for. But overall, you don't gain much. In, you, you, we're talking about months. Yeah. Um, in survival. So the main thing is to find it early so that you can do something at that stage. Yeah. Um, Just to bring our listeners back in. So we talk about metastatic disease for us. That's a term that means the cancer has spread. So, so let's talk about bowel cancer. Bowel cancer starts as a little growth in the bowel. It then has to grow through the muscle. So then it becomes a stage two. If it moves to the lymph node, that's a straight stage three. So then you can maybe still catch it with an operation, but the moment it moves to your next organ, which here would be the liver, uh, where you pick it up on, on a scan, that's stage four. So what we've just said, if it's a stage four, so if, if you pick it up, you cut it out, like with my dad, it's, it hasn't moved through the, through, the, um, through the muscle yet. You cut it out, it's gone. None of the cells got away and none of his, of his subsequent scans has shown that, that any of the cells got away, he's clear. So that's what we talk about there. But yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, 70% of all cancers that's diagnosed, there's no screening test for that available at the moment. Uh, so we've got a couple of screening tests. And I think in, in the current time setting, we should utilize those. That's what's available going forward. And we'll speak a little bit later about possibilities that will arise that um, we will have better screening going forward. Yeah. But but for now, um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the screening test for the, the most common cancers in South Africa. We're going to speak a little bit about our, our um, prevalence disease, diseases as prevalent in our country um, and what's available and how effective they are in, in detecting cancer. Yeah, I think, I think I, I want to go back to the metastatic disease before we talk about the screening. So, once that cell has gone out and you find it 
as a, as a stage four, what you've said earlier with the numbers is that most people will not be alive in five years. So yes. uh, if you catch it by stage three, you've got a chance, then 60 to 70% of people will be alive in five years and will have probably a fruitful life after. But if it's a stage four, the, the survival rate drops significantly that only 5% will be alive in five years, which is like you, you, you have to get that cancer very early. So if it's a stage four, then you're in trouble. Yes, absolutely. So the game plan here is to find it early. That's okay. what we can do at the moment. And then we want to talk about there's no one screening test for cancer yet. So for cancer as a global illness. Okay, so we have to talk about cancer. We talk about the big five, and that's what we do in Innersight as well. Pick the big five in each gender group. Yeah. And it's a bit like a Swiss cheese. So you have to 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 do many tests to to try and form a picture, uh, let's say a PSA for prostate is is not a great test, but it is a test. So, and we're going to now talk about all the cancers that that we also we're going to pick four of the big ones, work through them. So we'll do. Uh, skin first, and then yeah. we'll talk about prostate. We'll talk about colon, and then we'll talk about breast, um, and how we screen. So, I mean, maybe because it's <laughs> it's happened to me, um, uh, the skin cancer. Uh, so there's three big ones. Uh, I mean, the um, we talk about uh, uh, the melanoma. The, I mean, that's that's the one that that really gets away very quickly. And once it's away, it's pretty much a killer. It's, it, 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 it stays in the skin very short time and then it's a stage four. And before the immune therapy, it was pretty much a death sentence. Um, and then we've got the squamous cell, which is for us and the Aussies and, and the guys that, that live on, on the sunny parts of the world. Um, that's the one that, you normally go to your to your uh, dermatologist, and he burns the little skin lesions before they become squamous cells. So, and then you get the basal cell carcinoma, which is it's still a cancer, but it's not that aggressive if you can catch it early, and it's normally local infiltrating. So it takes a a long time before it it will become a stage two, three, or four. Yeah. So, so the so the skin cancers is in the top four for both the boys and the girls. Um, in South Africa. Um, but fortunately with the skin cancers, it, it's an easy thing to screen for um, because you can see it and then you can biopsy to see what type of cancer it is. So, so it's basically a visit to the dermatologist or your GP that can you refer then on to um, a, a dermatologist. Um, but that's going through your whole body, looking at the skin, mapping the lesions and, um, and follow up. So if you've mapped your lesions and they said there's a change in the lesion over time then they'll do a biopsy or treat it yeah and i, I just want to come back to my own case i mean i saw my dermatologist last year about this time in about uh end of october beginning of november uh for my normal because i've i've got an open roof he normally <laughs> burns a little bit of the of the precancerous lesions from the sun and he said just visit me in six months again and on the six month visit he said let's just check everything again and he found a melanoma cancer 
that started in six months. So it would have probably still been okay in my yearly follow-up. But what I'm trying to say is you need to work that into your system to go and see your dermatologist and try and find a dermatologist that does the mapping. So he says, I've mapped this. This is what it looked like last time. This is what it looks like now. We're a little bit concerned. Shall we take out the lesion? So it's it's an easy test, as you say. And the fact that it's still amongst the top four means that we're not screening properly. Exactly. And as you mentioned, yearly follow-up. That's, that's the importance. You doing it, we all should be doing it. Yeah, and... and I mean, once you're in that, we are we are now on our phones and all that. The moment you're there, just tell the lady I'll book for next year, so that you know that it's that it's in there, and just make it a routine because that is the one that can get away for us in South Africa with the sun, with the cyclists, with the runners, all those guys that are in the sun. So you need you need to have a check. Yeah, and the social check isn't on. I mean, asking your friend, oh, just have a look at the back, that doesn't work. You need to have a decent examination done by a dermatologist or, or, or a good GP. And coming back to that point again, uh, Chantal, my wife, asked me um, uh, on, on her back, she said, there's something there. I thought it looked okay. And the moment she got to the dermatologist, what is this? <laughs> and I mean, I, I see myself as a good doctor, but still I just don't have that eye that they've got. And um, it was a basal cell carcinoma. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Good that you go for your yearly checkups <laughs> there. All right. Um, I think I think let's let's take one of the big ones. So uh, for for me. I think the understanding of prostate cancer has moved quite a bit since we've been doing our research for, for the InnerSight program. So if you asked me five years ago to describe prostate cancer and, and how it works, how to screen, what is the best modalities, uh, I've changed quite a bit. So I think we need to delve a little bit in into that. Yeah, so, so prostate cancer, that's a difficult one because there's a lot of controversy around uh, screening for prostate cancer. Um, incidence, about 1 in 15 lifetime risk for South African men. Um, we know that you've got an increased risk if you've, uh, your father or brother, a relative has uh, prostate cancer, especially if, uh, in a younger age. And, and black men also seem to have a higher um, risk for, for prostate cancer. Um, now... Years back when they started screening for prostate cancer, they used the PSA blood test. So it's a prostate-specific antigen. Um, it's a blood test that you can do, but it's not specific for cancer. So it can go up with um, benign prostate um, hyperplasia, or it can go up if you've got prostatitis and things like that. So it's not specific for, for prostate cancer, but it does go up with prostate cancer sometimes. Yeah, so and, and it's late though. So let's build the layers again. So so we're trying to build the layers for the Swiss cheese that the ball cannot fall on the ground. So the first layer is genetics. If your dad had it or your dad's father or, 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 yeah. or your dad's brothers, you need to screen. Very much like breast cancer, there's a major genetic factor. That's our first. And then the second one is PSA. Yes. Also, uh, coming back to the family one, is if your brother had it, then you've got a higher risk than if your father had it. Just an interesting fact there. So then you need to definitely focus on that screening for the prostate cancer. So we're going to the PSA now. Yeah. So on its own, the PSA is like flipping a coin. No, not even that. It's it's like a random number generator. So you just don't know. So just just to to bring. 
what the PSA is. So the PSA prostate specific antigen, it should be very high. The, the count should be very high in semen. It should be very low in blood. So if you find it in the blood and the level goes up, then it means there's been a structural change in the prostate. Yes. So it could be very late, but it's a, it is still one of the layers of a screening test. Absolutely. But if we look at the test that we screen for cancer, we, we talk about sensitivity and specificity. So sensitivity, it's basically how good is a test in picking up the cancer. So if we take 100 people that we know have cancer and we say this tests uh, the um, sensitivity is 80%, it means that if you're going to do the test on those people, hundreds of them that we know has cancer, um, you'll pick up 80 cancer cases. So you'll still miss 20 cases. That's a sensitivity of 80%. Now, if we go look at PSA, and if we use different cutoff values, but if we use the four um, cutoff value, it's got a, a sensitivity of 21%. So, I mean, you're almost 80% that you still miss by doing the PSA at that level. If you lower the level, your threshold to around about three, um, nanograms per milliliter, then, then the sensitivity goes a little bit up to about 30, 36% or something like that. But then your false positive rate goes up as well. So you need to get that balance. But having a sensitivity of about 20, 21% isn't a good test. So having only that test available um, led to a lot of things in, in the screening industry. So a lot of people were diagnosed um, with prostate cancer um, and they had tests done and these tests, when the PSA is raised, then you end up getting a prostate biopsy at the end of the day. Okay, you go to the in, specialist, they do it, and, that, in, and, in there's, risk, and there's risks involved in, in getting that test done. Mm. And the literature then showed that um, you don't necessarily decrease the mortality or the cancer deaths in, on, a, on a population-based level. And therefore, at some point around about 2012, I think the US stated that they're not going to screen for prostate cancer anymore. And some of the other countries followed as well, Australia as well, said no, they're not screening for prostate cancer anymore because they, there's some risk involved in doing the screening because you can get tests that might be unnecessary. Um, and overall population, you don't save that many lives. But I think for someone that's got an increased risk for prostate cancer, like someone who's got a brother that has prostate cancer, you can't look at population-based risk then. Then you need to look at the individual and decide his risk in that. And that's the person that you definitely want to screen. And then you want mm. to go full house on that. Um, so if we don't only use a prostate value, we, we, we can use different ways to look at the, the PSA value to help us a little bit. Like for like a PSA velocity, where we look at the change of the PSA value over time because um, with cancer, it will mainly go up over time. Of something like a prostatitis, it will come down after your infection or things like that. And you can follow that over time. And there's newer tests available that also might increase your your screening screening potential and sensitivity of this, like the 4K test. Yeah, uh, I, and it's a bit of a bugbear for both me and you because we don't have the 4K yet in South Africa. Yes. Um, hopefully it'll be coming soon. So 
if we move on to the, so the PSA is something we do uh, to get a value, to try and get to the next year and the next year so we get the velocity. Uh, obviously, the next thing is a manual prostate exam. So your, your nearest friendly urologist do your, your exam. And as, as we always say to our clients, get to a urologist your age, try and get to someone that will follow your prostate along as you get older because all men will die with prostate cancer if they get old enough, but they will not die from prostate cancer. So the, the main thing is you need to, to get those that is going to be dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm not 100% sure about the numbers, but it's quite a high degree of, of men at about 80 that yeah, will have so, prostate CA. Yeah, so if you look at, at, at autopsies of men that died from other causes, so about 30% of men in their 50s will have prostate cancer and about 70% of men in their 70s will have prostate cancer. Um, but they, they've they died from other causes. They, this is not from, from um, prostate cancer deaths. So we all will develop prostate cancer, but not all of us will die from it, mm -hmm. as you said. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the false positive, so-called false positive comes into play is that you you might then pick up a low-grade prostate cancer that would never cause any problems in your life and all doctors will go ahead and treat that. Yeah. That's just, you've seen it now, now you need to do something about it. And it might be unnecessary treatment. Um, yeah. Let's, so it's, um, a, it's a difficult one, but yeah. I've, I've, a recent study showed that if you combine it with a MRI, and you do targeted biopsies, then you bring down the false or the unnecessary biopsies um, rate. So going forward, that might be the way to go to combine all these things and use an MRI to guide you as well and just don't just do prostate biopsies on, on, on blood failures and things like that. So yeah, it's I think, too layer. I think you if, mentioned it, layer yeah. things. If, so for me, the next layer will be ultrasound, it's again, it's a very, very, uh, it's it's not very sensitive. So if you have all the money in the world, you'll just get an MRI and 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 have a proper look at the prostate and and, and a specific prostate uh, scan so that the layers are small enough that they can pick up pick it up early. But obviously, uh, monetary constraints, you can't just do an MRI on every person every year for his prostate. So, um, but okay, let's let's stop there with the scan with yeah. the screening. So we talked about if you diagnosed. So, I mean, the nice thing is the treatment has also gotten a lot better. So, I mean, uh, the, the the biggest problem with with prostate cancer was an open prostatectomy. Yeah. yeah. And now, now they can do it with with the robots, so they can actually smaller hands get in better, because one of the big um, what's the word I'm looking for side effects of uh, open prostatectomy was hurting the pedendal nerve, yeah. and yeah, that that means you you don't have erection for the rest of your life, which which was not cool. Yeah, yeah. I think from a practical size, we we still do the PSA as a screening test in the practice, but. Um, if it's someone with a high risk, then they just go straight to the urologist and, and see if we can get an MRI done for them at the urologist. Yeah, mm. agree, agree. Um, prostate, yes. So, yeah, 
I think the next one will be colon again. Um, I've, uh, like I say, I've been touched and bringing that into our next, uh, into, into what we're talking about, colon cancer, uh, me working in my day job, that's probably the cancer that I see that I do not want. It, it's, it's a nasty cancer if it gets away. I don't think people screen enough. Um, and even if you do screen, screening only picks up about 30% of, of, um, of, 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 of cancers. But if you do pick it up, it's like pretty much a hundred percent that you'll, that you'll get fixed because like with my dad, very early, get the polyp under stage three, you're good. But the nice thing with the colonoscopy, it's. You go in, you look for the cancer. If you see it, you can biopsy it, or you can, if it's a polyp, take it out completely. So it's an all-in-one procedure. And, and, and the, uh, the data on it, if, if you do adequate screening, you reduce the, the risk of colon CA with 60-odd percent, which, mm. is, which is massive. Um, being under the top four cancers in South Africa for both boys and girls, um, it should be a no-brainer. We should screen more for colon cancers. But, you know, if you speak to your buddies at the bra, you know, the subject, we're in that age group now, so that subject arises and it's like, have you gone for your colonoscopy? And then the usual reaction is, oh, you know. Yeah. Um, we need to get over that. Um, and, and we need to move on. And we need to get our colonoscopies. Yeah. Um, so entry used to be 50 years of age. Uh, we're thinking earlier, much earlier now or 10 years before your, your family member that was diagnosed with cancer. So if your dad was diagnosed at 40, then you would start at 30, mm -hmm. um, getting your colonoscopy. Um, you, ca the, you can do the stool tests as well instead of the colonoscopy. I think the colonoscopy is standard of care at this point in time. That's the best one at the moment. You can do the stool test where they test for, basically test for blood, blood mm -hmm. in the stools. and. And if it's positive, then you still need a colonoscopy. Um, but you can do it. Where, where with the colonoscopy, you can do it. If you've got a, a normal risk, you can do And you've got a normal one, you can repeat it in 10 years according to the guidelines. Now, if you've got a slight increase risk, you'll do it five yearly. Um, but with the, the stool test, you need to do it much um, like um, almost yearly for the, for the normal fit test. The, and, and, and if you've got the DNA one that I haven't seen, around here. I've tried to get hold of those, but those you can do every three years. Yeah. And I must say it's such a non-event for me, like colonoscopy. I mean, my, my dad had his at 54. So I had my first colonoscopy when, when I was 42 and I'm going for my next one next month. And I'm, I mean, literally it, it is such a non-event. And for me, knowing that if I, I that I don't have cancer, or the problem is if you do have cancer and they can't be cut out, then you'll have a bag on, on your tummy for the rest of your life. I mean, uh, that's that's one of those things that I never, ever want to have. So <laughs> no. uh, it, it is, no. uh, I mean, if I have to pick one thing everyone should do is a colonoscopy. Yeah, but I mean, the morbidity of that in your lifestyle, I mean, we all, we like the outdoors, we like to do stuff. And if, if you go like, through an event like that, that changes your whole life completely. Whereas mm. if you've gone for your colonoscopy, they've picked it up early, you can carry on cycling, you can carry on going outdoors and yeah. enjoy life. Yeah, um, and 
I just want to bring, uh, if we use the medical terms, I just want to bring it back. So the morbidity, so we talked about mortality of these things. If it's if it's past stage four, then the, um, the mortality or if it will kill you, it's pretty much a dead certain that it will kill you in, in five years' time. Uh, the more... So the morbidity is how bad will it make your life? I mean, will it will it constrain your life and things that you do? And having and that's directly um, connected to the stage that you pick it up. If you pick it up a stage one versus a stage two, three, or later on, um, that's a big back impact on your life. Yeah, because I, I mean, you don't really need your colon. I mean, it's nice to have, but. <laughs> If they pick something up, let them cut it out, and I mean, that's that. It's it just get it diagnosed for me. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think for 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 colon, yeah, the the treatment is if you find it, cut it out. Mm. Um. If you don't find it and it's late, then obviously if it's spread, then then the chemo's and the targeted radiotherapy, all that comes in. But maybe maybe we'll once we've gone through our big things in the podcast, we'll get an oncologist in and talk about mm. what to do yeah. in certain situations. Yeah. Good idea. Then um, the goal shall we take with uh, breast cancer, yeah. which is the big one for for the girls. So breast cancer, one in 27 lifetime risk developing breast cancer in South Africa, um, which is quite quite common cancer. But uh, screening for breast cancer, screening females between the ages of 40 and 69, brings down the mortality of, of breast cancer by 15 to 20%. So that's, that's a big number. Mm. So another thing we should screen. Um, and I think that's the one that's probably done often. Yeah, so uh, again, if we talk about screening, so then we got to just differentiate about what the radiologists will do. Most people talk about a mammogram, mm -hmm. so that's for the solids more, and then if there's masses that's not that solid, then the ultrasound scan. Yeah, so so the mammogram is the sensitivity is quite nice, almost ninety percent sensitivity for for um, picking up a cancer um, in in the breast tissue. Um, more sensitive females above the age of 50 and um, less sensitive for females with dense breast tissue. It's still the gold standard. And it's basically, it's a low dose x-ray. It's like 0.7 millisieverts that exposure. So it's three months background radiation that you get from getting a mammogram done. Those ladies that has got thick or, or, or dense breast tissue, the sensitivity can come down to around about 50% or so. And often then we'll use a sonar to have a look at it and see if they can. Um, okay, so I've had it wrong yeah, the other way around. So see if they can see a mass in, in, in the dense tissue that they couldn't have picked up through okay. the through the, um, the scanning of the mammogram. And then obviously the Rolls-Royce is also an MRI in that scenario where, where you want to do that. Um, I think for the girls at high risk, they will, will probably push for an MRI quicker. But yet again, layered. Do the mammogram, add on the sonar if the tissue was, um, if you had uh, dense breast tissue, and if you're not sure, then you're going to step in with the MRI if you're concerned about the risk there. Yeah, I want to put the base layer right at the at the at the onion peel. I want to say, mum, dad, oh, I mean, mum, aunt, 
grandmother. So the, the the risk lies there for me. Like go go look first for the, for for close family because those are the ones that will kill you quick. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's why we've got this. You know, we've got this form that people need to inf- fill in when they sign up for the inner site with all these family questions of your mother and your brothers and your aunts and your uncles and everything. And people might think, why? Why should I fill in all these forms? This is silly. Um, but you need to spend time with it. And if you don't know the answer, actually phone someone and say, listen, um, aunt so-and-so, what did she die of? What age? And things. Inf- um, all the information that you can get from that is so important. If you can see that, we call it the disease tree. Um, to, to figure out the risk for, for, for people for developing certain diseases or in this case, cancers. So family, family history and breast cancer is so important. Um, other things as well. Um, when, did, when did the menach start? When, when was the first child born? Things like that as well. Um, yeah, to look and, at the risk. Yeah, and that just comes back to what we're saying. There's no one test, but putting all the layers together and adding and adding and adding you're making your you 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 you're making your sensitivity sensitivity of your tests more and more as you add on so and the same with the uh, mammogram is the more mammograms you've had you, you can follow it up over time you can then have you have digital images then of changes so the sensitivity is better than if you then uh, one mammogram versus uh, a follow-up mammogram. So just much better if you've had uh, more more images to compare with. Yeah, that's that, that's the thing. I mean, we've talked about it when we started, but we feel somewhere between thirty-five and forty, you 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 start hitting things. So mm-hmm. pretty much indestructible till you're thirty-five, unless you're very unlucky. But you need values and see how values change to make decisions. So, um, and I wish I knew earlier to start getting an APO B value, like just at, let's say 25, 35 and where I am now, like, because when I picked it up, I was already too high and I wish I never blew the top there. So, um, and I think it's the same with the cancers, like, and what, that's what we do at InnerSight is pick the big five, Make sure that the big five don't hit you. I mean, the others you can put layers in, and and I mean, when you talk to us, just ask uh, what else. What else can I do? Exactly. Obviously, you can't screen for everything. It's impossible. But at least those that we know of, the big ones, let's at least put them aside yeah. and say, okay, we've done what we can. Um, we've used what's available in this current point of time. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of excitement in, in specifically in, in, in this field of, of detecting early cancers. And we'll chat about it a little bit later. Um, but yeah, we need to use these tests. As currently for the females, the South African guidelines state from 40 yearly mammograms and then from about 55, you can either every second year or continue yearly. Um, I don't think many females really go yearly for their mammograms. Most of them will have one and then two years later and uh, realize that they haven't had this um, mammogram the previous year. So, um, but that's the guidelines. And the more you do, the more sensitive the test becomes. Yeah. And yeah, I think for that same reason, I think we'll probably have to spend a whole podcast on, um, on, on how breast cancer treatment and, and 
how to go further with that. So maybe we'll get other oncologist or breast surgeon in to mm. to to speak about the numbers and and the treatment options. Um, but I think we should maybe stay with girls and talk about cervical CA, which is still in South Africa more than the rest of the world. It's something we should screen for. And most girls have heard about the pap smear. So, yeah, so um, our prevalence is double that of the, the rest of the world, unfortunately. It's mainly because of a high um, um, HIV prevalence and HPV strain 16 and 18 that we have. Um, so, yes, it's, it's, it's in South Africa, that's the number one killer for females in cancer. It's not the most common diagnosed cancer, but that's the one that, that actually causes the mortality. Um, and it, it's so unnecessary. If you pick up cervical cancer early, it's curable. And hopefully now with the vaccine that comes in, then hopefully we can over time eradicate um, cervical cancer. Yeah, and, and maybe, Maybe that's the one we should screen earlier. We talk about 40. Most yeah. people, me, most people, if they get to 40 and they have their first pap smear, that's much too late. Yeah, I know. So the guidelines, South African guidelines is at age 25, start at age 25. And if you're uh, HIV positive from, from the time of diagnosis, if that's before 25, then it's before 25. Um, so we can do the pap smear where they do uh, the um, cytology smear or they can do the HPV um, testing. So the HPV testing is a bit more sensitive and you can have a bigger, you don't, you, with the HPV, you can do it every five years with a normal risk person versus the pap smear every three years for a normal risk person. Yeah, so just to bring it back again, so here genetics doesn't play such a bigger role, almost nothing really. Here it's the virus, the, HP, the, virus, yeah. the HPV that we're talking about is the human papilloma virus, yeah. and the substrains that we talked about earlier is number sixteen and number eighteen. Yes. So, so they, I mean, there's a there's a big list of substrains. A uh, little bit of a problem with with our vaccine coming from the UK. So not all the substrains are covered, but it is still it is still a quite a big big or it, it will give protection. So and. If you vaccinate against the virus, very much like chickenpox, um, then you, you you protect yourself against against not getting the virus because the virus gives you the lesion and the lesion becomes the cancer. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's driven by most of the cervical cancers in South Africa is driven by the virus. And that's why if we can vaccinate and get rid of the virus, then we, we lower the incidence of the cervical cancers. So, but it comes back to screening, screening, screening. Because if if you screen, again, you can you can pick up most and you can cure most. So it's our killer because we don't screen enough. Yes, absolutely. Okay, while we're talking about screening, let's maybe move to nice things out there that that might make our lives much easier about screening coming in the next five years, hopefully. Yeah, so I think that's a big excitement in the in the the cancer world. There's not so much a treatment that's coming out. There's one or two treatments that's um, that's causing some excitement. But the big thing is the early detection. So the the blood testing, the detecting the DNA. So it's, it's a so-called liquid biopsies that's coming out. Um, it's still early days, um, but and, and I'll refer to one test, the gallery test, but there's many companies now falling in line, developing similar tests. And I think over the, 
the next five to 10 years, that's the, the, what we will be able to test for will be much, much better than what we're testing for now. So to take us back, we said 70% of cancers diagnosed, we, we don't have a screening test for. And we have basically around about five screening tests for cancers, more or less, give and take. Um, now the liquid biopsy, they claim they can test for 50 cancers, um, which is amazing. I mean, 50 cancers versus five, it's absolutely amazing. So what they do, it's a normal blood test, and then they look for DNA from cancers okay, in the blood, and they pick it up because the cancers shred the DNA into the blood. and then So cancers that don't shred DNA like brain tumors and things like that, uh, you won't pick up through the test. And not all cancers uh, shred the DNA in a similar way. So some are still more difficult to detect than others but yeah i think maybe just we should have maybe touched on it when we started off but cancer is actually one of the cells that goes a little bit rogue and it grows in a different way than the normal cell would and it just replicates itself and and it the body can't detect that it's the wrong one because we form these rogue cells all the time but the body's immune system picks them up and kills them and somehow these rogue cells get the, the, the have the way to to hide that they that that they're rogue, and then the body don't pick them up. And if they start growing, they make these growths, and they are cancers. Yes, absolutely. So we all have these cells that, as you say, get picked up through our immune system. Um, and as they grow, some of them die. They shred some DNA in the growth process. You know, you can pick up that that, that uh, signature of the of the cancer in the bloodstream, and so they can test for it. Um, the problem at the moment with the test, well, let's start there. So there's a big study going on in the UK in the National Health, um, where I think something like 140,000 people's enrolled in the in the study specifically using this test. And at the end of this year, actually, they'll look at the results, and if they're happy, then they're going to enroll another million people for 2024 and 2025 in the study and then follow them up. So probably in the next five years or so, we'll have a lot more data to support this. At the moment, if you go look at the sensitivity of the test as published through this company, uh, which is commercially uh, available through a physician overseas, but not in South Africa, um, they state that the sensitivity, and we said that's the ability of the test to pick up a cancer. So for stage one cancers, it's still low. The average one is about 16%. Uh, 16% for stage two is about double, like 40%, and the stage three is about 70%. Okay, But we want that 16% actually be a little bit higher because that's the early ones that we want to detect. Um, yeah, the problem is it's not it's not reached the lymph or the blood blood system at that point. So, yeah. so, so, but at least, and 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 then there's a difference between different types of cancer because you'll see renal cell cancers is a lower sensitivity than lung cancer, um, and just due to the way that the tumor specific tumor behaves. Um, but we also need to think about the emotional bit about it because if you do this test now, liquid biopsy, and you pick up a stage one tumor in this biopsy, it might be too small to see. So now, now you're in the scenario where you need to tell, listen, Rudy, uh, we've picked up a this cancer, cancer somewhere. somewhere. Fortunately, the test, uh, the DNA uh, uh, signature can also point towards the type 
of cancer. So that helps a little bit. But what do you do now? Now you need to observe because you, it's maybe still too small to see on a scan. And then we'll ask you, but we'll repeat the scan next here. But now you know there's something small somewhere in the body. So there's a, there's a big emotional thing. And I think we need to spend some time in educating ourselves. How are we going to manage that with the patients when they come to you? I don't think it's for every patient. Some people won't be able to cope with that information. Some people won't be able to, to deal with the fact that there's something, but we're not going to do anything now. And we need to wait until we see it. And once we see it, it will still be small enough that we can actually probably cure it then. Yeah. But no, they'll big, have to big, train, big, big train people specifically for that. Oh. I mean, just take myself. When, when they said there's something on your tummy, do you want to leave it? It looks a little bit angry. I said, cut it out now. Like, And it was cancer. Yeah. So uh, if they told me there, there's a lung cancer somewhere, like, oh, we'll check in a year's time, <laughs> I'll be like, hmm. I'll, I'll go, I'll pay for it myself, but go quicker to have um, no, the test. Exactly. I think the big thing, hopefully, that's going to happen is that they'll be able to, from that signature, the DNA signature from the tumor, see which chemotherapies might be working for that yeah. specific and um, maybe signature it. and then target it. And then you follow up, do a follow up blood test. And if it's clean, then you know you've cured it. So that, yeah. that will probably, they will. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing now, but in my head, that's the way that it should. The immunotherapy focus so at that. You do the mm -hmm. test, you pick up the DNA signature, and then you've got a, a treatment that might work for that DNA signature. You do the treatment and see if it's clear or not. Maybe that's a, the future for cancer treatment. I don't know. But, okay, but, but in, 50, in 50 possible cancers versus about five or so that we can screen for, that's a massive changed so yeah we just need to figure out how we're gonna fit it into the into the practice because it's still quite expensive eh? it's it's about yeah. ten thousand rand at the moment 20 20,000 rand. 20, wow. rand if you convert it and, and not available here in south africa at yeah. the moment but i mean if you it's um commercially available overseas through a physician yeah. and it's about a thousand dollars yeah it's the last time i looked yeah. mm -hmm. so it's a lot of money um but uh, yeah, the false positive rate that they've published was very low. Mm. So basically, if they pick it up, there's something somewhere. It's unlikely that it's false positive. Um, we'll just need to find where it is. And mm. Is it big enough? We can cut it out. It's just that period where, where it might not be big enough that you can cut it out to treat it. That might be an emotional burden yeah, for yeah, that, yeah. that time period. Okay. But if I think let's let's put it all together. So... If you had to tell your brother what he should do, so that I mean, we want to we want to screen early and check for the big five, layer the screening. Some tests need to be done every year. Not everything needs to be done every year. Most tests in either five years or ten years. But the overlaying cancers that that both boys and girls have got skin, colon. For me, that's two that you yeah. have to screen, both boys and girls. And then Easy, screenable, good results. Yeah. And then for boys, prostate, start early, build a repertoire, get, get your velocity, know where you're headed. And family history, important. Family. If there's a family history, then you just uptick that straight down to the um, more in the, uh, like an MRI and stuff with the specialist. And very much the same thing with girls. Yeah. 
family history, family history, family history, that bracket gene, if you've got that, you need to know and then um, screen, screen, screen early and so get data. The game plan is if it's there, try and pick it up early so we can do something about it until we've got better tools. Great. Yeah, awesome. The fifth podcast, I, I love it. I think we we got a lot of information out there for the for the guys and girls, um, and looking forward to the next one. Yes. Disclaimer: This podcast is not intended as a substitute for the advice of your healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship has been formed through this podcast. The content here is for information purposes only.